Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to CBE's podcast, Mutuality Matters. We are focused today on women in words, Bible translation, and why it matters. And we're supremely thankful to have our guest, Dr. Boaz Johnson, also a member of CBE's Old Testament team and involved with CBE's Bible Translation Project for more than four plus years, really from the beginning. So welcome, Boaz. Thank you so much, Mimi. It's such a joy to be here with you and to talk about Bible translation. Yes, well, Dr. Boaz Johnson, received his PhD from Trinity International University and Trinity Evangelical School. He's a professor of biblical and theological studies at North Park University in Chicago. His writings have appeared in publications such as Priscilla Papers, Mutuality, Christianity Today, and the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Great writing, Boaz. He's also a member of CBE's Board of Directors. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mimi. So Boaz, can you please share how God has led you in your career as an Old Testament scholar? Our listeners will want to know. Well, Mimi, my journey actually started in the New Delhi slum where I was reared and uh, um, I was also, I went to a high school where um, uh, high caste kids went to. So I was trained in in Sanskrit and in Pali, the language of Buddhism and Hinduism and learned the sciences. But I was always aware of bad things happening, especially to the girls and the women in the slum where I was reared. So that's where my quest started for um, uh, looking for answers. Uh, eventually, in high school, I became uh, a follower of Jesus. Um, just as I got out of uh, out of the slum, um, and uh, I was influenced by a woman by the name of Pandita Ramabai, and um, um, I came to realize that here was this woman right in the midst of uh, a lot of. Um, um, uh, um, uh, really bad things happening in India in the late 19th century. There was there were famines, uh, there was the bubonic plague, uh, and then there was the um, the pandemic that struck. She rescued girls, and when she wanted to, when she started teaching them the Bible, she paid close attention to words in mm. the Old Testament. Uh, close attention to words in the Old Testament because she came to realize that the English Bible, um, as well as the Indian translations, use words for women which are uh, quite degrading. And, and so she began translating the Bible into a language which would be meaningful to the girls and mm -hmm. the women. Um, and so that's what started my quest uh, for uh, to become an Old Testament scholar. Mm. I went to um, a seminary 
um, in uh, in the state of Maharashtra, a little dinky little town called Yavatmal, and and I just began searching in Hebrew and in Aramaic and in Greek. Uh, what are these things that Pandita Ramabai is talking about? And and my quest for being an Old Testament uh, student began there, and it continues to this day. So Pandita is credited for your passion for scripture, and she translated the original text into Marathi. Is that correct? That is correct, but she did not translate the Bible into Marathi of the Bible that's used now in the churches. Mm -hmm. The Bible that's used now in churches is translated by high caste men. Mm. Uh, couldn't care less about women's issues. Mm -hmm. So her perspective was the perspective of the girls and the women. And um, and that's what she did. And, and her Bible is still not used in Marathi churches in India. If it were used, what do you think the impact of her Bible would be? Huge. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting, uh, Mimi. I uh, before the pandemic hit, I took a delegation of people from the Evangelical Covenant Church, mm -hmm. and we went to the city where uh, Ramabai worked, called Pune, and then we flew out of Mumbai, which is like this mega, mega, mega city, and we went into the inner city. We went to the red light areas, and there we found women who were going and hugging these women in the red light district, sharing how God has transformed them. And here's what I came to realize, that every single one of those women that was involved in one of the most dangerous areas in Mumbai were all Ramabai girls. Oh my goodness. And when you say that exactly, tell our listeners what that means practically. Well, that means that these girls' lives were transformed because of Pandita Ramabai's translation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Pandita Ramabai, for example, she said, please pay close attention to the, the word for God. Uh, in, in the Marathi translation, the Hindi translation, the name for God uh, uh, that is used generally is the word Parameshwar, which is the name of the high caste God. And the girls would say, no, that is the God who uh, takes us into sexual slavery. We don't want that God. Mm -hmm. And so here were, here were women who were transformed by ideas that came from the Bible. So... Um, are they reading Pandita's Bible? Have they read that Bible? Have Have you read it? I have, I have, and that's what's transformed my understanding. Um, it's mm -hmm. just amazing. They have because they are from uh, the home that Ramabai okay. created for girls who are rescued from really bad situations. Okay, so you've been there once, and it looks sounds like it's thriving. It is. Oh, it's driving. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating to hear uh, the words in song that are sung by these girls. Uh, some of a lot of them are handicapped girls, mm -hmm. uh, visually handicapped and handicapped in other ways. And 
it, it's mm -hmm. so fascinating to see uh, the transformative work that it's that is still continuing. Now, do they call her mission Mukti? Is it still referred to as Mukti? It is. And, and Mukti is a very interesting word. It means salvation. Mm -hmm. um, um, but very clearly, the word mukti is not just uh, spiritual spell salvation, it's emotional salvation, it is gender-related salvation, it is caste-related salvation. So she very clearly chose the word mukti mission to describe uh, the space from which she trained girls. And, and physical salvation, too. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. okay. Uh, now, she is honored as one of India's great intellects to this day, right? She is. Very fascinating woman. She was um, um, homeless with her brother. Her parents died when the plague hit. She went through really hard times, you know, physical abuse, abuse of all kinds, but she learned Sanskrit. And when she went, when she reached Calcutta in her wanderings through India during that, uh, the pandemic and the plague, well, no, really, it was the famine at that point in time. Um, she learned Sanskrit and went to the University of Calcutta and says, said, here I am, you know. Can you offer me a job? And she became the professor of Sanskrit in <laughs> Calcutta University. They said that as a child, she had memorized thousands of Sanskrit verses. Do you believe that's true? I believe that's true because I've done that myself. You know, that's what you do. And uh, in the school that I went to, you learn so much Sanskrit. And you, if you don't say it the right way, the mm -hmm. guru will come and give a rap on with a big wooden spoon. <laughs> rap on your knuckles. <laughs> oh goodness! Wow, seven thousand verses of Sanskrit. Wow. Well, that makes it that really prepares you to be an Old Testament scholar, I should think. I'm thankful for that training. Okay. I, I wasn't happy then, but I'm thankful now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Your brain grew many uh, synapses and much space for other languages. Uh, so, Boaz, for those in our audience who do not know much about CBE's Bible translation team, could you do some uh, explaining about their work, their goals, the passages you all worked on, and what your goals are for English readers? Well, um, uh, Mimi, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that CBE um, uh, decided to include me on this team. It's a team of some really amazing people, women um, from South Korea, um, Asian American, uh, from Africa, um, um, uh, Af uh, women of African origin, who are teaching in um, uh, universities here in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, women that are African-American, uh, women that are white. And then there are men like us who, who learn so much from these amazing women of God. And so we bring out different perspectives because each of us has been trained at different universities. Um, mm -hmm. 
Princeton and Trinity and um, Fuller and um, uh, in, in Canadian universities all over. And uh, we duke out ideas. We discuss, have very long discussions on one word. Sometimes we are there for um, three hours together, mm. uh, grappling with that one word because this is God's word and it's so precious. Um, and it's so important to see how it impacts girls uh, and women. Um, so that is our goal is to come up with a Bible translation that is gender uh, accurate and is it speaks to the hearts of the next generation of women. That's just exactly what I wanted to hear from you. And I know our listeners are a thousand percent behind the team. And I know that we are planning not only or hoping and praying, Lord willing, to not only address the difficult passages, but to come up beside those passages with texts that are very clear. That will be, we hope, maybe the next effort. So the passages that are unclear and how can we make them clear? How have they been mistranslated to exploit? And where do we see the clear teachings of scripture as a parallel effort? Mm -hmm. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about why this translation project is important to English readers of the Bible? Oh, I think it's so very important, Mimi, because um, another woman who um, worked uh, at the same time as Pandita Ramabai was Catherine Bushnell. And Catherine Bushnell um, started that translation work because she found that there were um, lumber companies in Wisconsin who were uh, promising uh, young men from Chicago um, uh, girls from Chicago um, who would be given to them if they would come and work in those lumber companies. Well, she started thinking because she saw the same practice in China. She saw uh, the same practice in India, uh, where she went and did some research work and was helped by Ramabai's girls, uh, if I may add there. Mm -hmm. um, so she, she looked at the English translations and she said, my goodness, this is so wrong for women. We need to do something about it. And so uh, our translation is really based on her ideas mm -hmm. that we need to do something and listen to the voice of um, our forebearers like uh, Catherine Bushnell. Excellent. So are you aware that Catherine Bushnell was writing about the work of Pandita Ramabai? Yes, she actually, in her, um, in her work, uh, she, um, she makes reference to um, when she went from one place to another, it was the, the women of Pandita Ramabai who formed uh, a part of her translation team, because obviously when she was going and talking to this, they called um, not girls in the British cantonments where there were hiding girls, Indian mm -hmm. girls that were promised to British soldiers. Mm -hmm. um, she had translation teams and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of those were girls that Pandita Ramabai had trained. Do you think that they're Pandita and Kat, Kat, Catherine or Kate, as we call her, actually met and talked to one another? 
Um, I'm not aware of that. Mm -hmm. not, at least I don't have evidence of that. Okay, very I'd interesting. I'd like to find an evidence, but, um, you know, mm -hmm. that's the thing about research work. You keep digging, you keep digging, and suddenly a gold mine is there. <laughs> I'm looking for it. <laughs> I hope you find it, Boaz. So can you share with us a few of the most significant and exciting translations your, your team has actually agreed on? Well, um, so, you know, I think it's been so exciting to read um, Genesis 1, which is so far formative for uh, who is a woman um, and the equality of, uh, of a woman and man and both of them together become a picture of who is God. So that is there in Gen Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, where... Um, you know, uh, the, the King James Version will say that, oh, she's a woman who is a helper, meat for the man, whatever they meant, I don't know, or, or a suitable helper, as today's translations would say. Mm -hmm. Well, we've come to realize that, you know, the word ezer is used throughout the rest of the Bible to uh, to refer to God himself. And, and the adverb that goes along with that connecto is used of a person that actually walks ahead of the other person. So as their connecto, which is translated as helper meet for man or helper suitable or just right, is really a strong term. And so we wanted to bring that out in our translation uh, of the Bible and write notes there, which will be available to people when they look at the translation. Um, <clears throat> wow. So so God, Etzer Kinagdo, is one who walks ahead of us as a protective measure, as a defensive measure. How would you describe that? Uh, both of those. And so, and so is the woman. It is the woman who is an Etzer Kinagdo. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a very strong statement that the Bible is making. I, I agree. I've heard translation teams talk about connecto as face-to-face -face in terms of an equality, but you're talking now about actually walking ahead of the person you rescue. David Friedman calls, that's her, that's her two root Hebrew roots from two root words, which is to be strong and to rescue and if you lean into David Freeman a bit more, then you do you can see how walking ahead would be a strong rescue uh, posturing. Yes, and I agree. I on the translation uh, team itself, I leaned more in that direction. And so mm -hmm. what we try to do is we have a lot of conversations about it, and then. Um, come up to, um, more often than not, come up to uh, a middle ground there. Okay. So in terms of working with the, the team itself, can you think of an instance where there was some maybe disagreement, but as you worked it out, something very rich evolved that would not have been possible without the struggle? Yeah, I, I can think of a number of verses. One of those, the topmost that comes to my mind is, what do you make of Job's wife? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Job goes through a lot of struggles. 
um, he loses um, um, his his kids. He loses his um, property. Uh, he loses, you know, everything that belongs to him. And then obviously he has this very, very uh, awful uh, disease that is so, so um, it's destructive to his whole being. Um, and then, of course, Job's wife arrives. And what people don't realize is that Job's wife is going through all this suffering. Mm -hmm. She has lost kids mm -hmm. whom she bore. She has lost everything around her. And here's her husband who's suffering. So in Job chapter 2 and verse 9, um, generally all English translations say, curse God and die. And of course, the pastors will say, oh, what an awful woman. This man is suffering. And she says, curse God and die. And you hear all kinds of sermons about that, that women have heard in our churches. Mm -hmm. uh, the Hebrew word there is barach. Mm -hmm. So we spent a lot of time struggling with the idea because the word barach itself means Bless God. Mm. And then it's he's giving him permission to, to die. Mm. That's okay. Mm. Um, so we struggled with that because obviously pretty much all the English translations, they all translate it as curse. Mm. And then there'll be a footnote put there, you know, in RSV or NRSV. Um, or NIV, and it'll say, well, the word really is bless uh, in Hebrew. <laughs> oh, good. But you won't be doing that, I, I presume. We are not. We are not. We are putting bless there, and we are putting it, um, we have decided to put it uh, within inverted commas, and then put um, a, a very long note there to talk about the history of translations. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and return in a few moments, but I want to invite our listeners, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do consider uh, listening to our other threads and learning more about CBE in general. We have radio, Christian radio shows that will excite you, a conference coming up in Denver, Colorado, end of July next year. And we've just finished one of our most exciting conferences in Brazil mm -hmm. with so many resources now available in Brazilian Portuguese, which was not possible even three months ago. So we're thanking the Lord for caring so much for the challenges Christians in Brazil face. And we know that you will be excited about our Bible translation project as Boaz returns to us. But we want to hear from those who sponsor our work and do consider. Uh, sharing your resources with CBE so this work can continue. CBE International presents Women in Scripture and Mission. Michal, a lovesick teenage princess, strategized to save David's life. In the same way warriors submit to battle plans, David submitted to Michal's tactical genius. After she lowered him through the window by her own strength, Michal stood courageously before Saul as David fled for his life. Learn more at ministrywomen.org. That's ministrywomen.org. So Boaz, returning now from our break, what would you say are some, maybe your most 
what you perceive to be the most vexing translation issue the church continues to struggle with in the Old Testament? What would that be in your opinion? Mimi, I think you know uh, the uh, the crucial issues that that Kate Bushnell, Catherine Bushnell brought before us remain the main issues, and Catherine Bushnell uh, has strongly um, advised uh, people to come up with a very clear thinking of Genesis chapters one, two, and three. Um, and she said, if you if you set your um, the image of who's a woman, who is um, a man, what are men and women in society all about and their relationship to God and their relationship to the world and their relationship to um, uh, to um, religions and uh, sociological systems and political systems that have been demeaning to women, uh, she said you will find that all in Genesis chapter one, two, and three. And if you said those right, you'll be okay. So if you wanna hijack the Bible and subordinate women and advance patriarchy as God's ideal, you'll need to start in the first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis one through three, is that right? And that's what uh, Kate Bushnell said, and, and I agree with her wholeheartedly. And so how is your team then uh, addressing this? We are uh, dealing with one of the things that we have done is we've been provided, you know, a, a whole list of verses um, by uh, women, uh, CBE women, uh, down through um, the past years. Um, uh, but we are not looking at those verses in isolation. We are looking at those verses in the context of the text. And uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 come as a package there um, in each of those issues that have been raised we have to look at the whole chapter. And so we have looked at it as a, as an Old Testament team. Excellent. So can you tell me what are some of the key reasons that, in your view, Bible translation has failed to address uh, God's original in, intention or vision or plan or purpose for women and girls? You know, I think uh, uh, Bible translators, let's face it, have been throughout the, um, the centuries um, white men mm -hmm. um, who um, are not in tune with these issues that we are talking about. Um, and, and so whether intentionally or unintentionally, um, the translations don't address issues that have been um, demeaning to women. Uh, and many times, if we listen to the Church Two movement carefully, uh, it's more than demeaning, it's abusive um, against women. Uh, who who is a woman? Who is a woman? Sh uh, should should she be in a place of authority? 
Well, one of, that's one of the things that's divided the church so much and, uh, and mm-hmm. it continues to divide the church mm-hmm. because of translations that don't make that clear. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think those things need to be addressed and, and that's what our translation team is looking at. And how can English readers of, of, a, of the Bible find better strategies in avoiding translation bias and error? Before this project comes out, they they will always need these strategies. And even after it comes out. I agree. And I think we live in um, a time when um, the Internet sources are available to us. Uh, I would say that when Bible study groups get together and they are reading Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, um, they can open up um, uh, uh, um, um, a website um, uh, that comes out of Cambridge, Tyndale House there. Uh, it's called stepbible.org, where you can compare translations. And mm-hmm. it'll highlight a Hebrew word there. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you the range of translations that are available to us in um in Hebrew on the side. And you can compare those translations and say, well, this is what our English Bible translates it as. But Mm -hmm. but let's also consider all these other possibilities, which really makes for a strong woman. Mm -hmm. So people can do that. Average people can do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Including the interlinear sources that Really, people have learned Greek and Hebrew on their own just using interlinear Bibles, right? I agree. Interlinear Bible. There is also, um, um, you know, um, works, uh, Bible translations which have given alternatives within um, uh, brackets, within parentheses mm-hmm. uh, in the translation. Um, and that was actually put out by a woman. Who was that? Uh, Francis. I'm just forgetting her name. Her last name. Francis. Uh, um, we'll have you'll have to look it up and email it to us, and I'll put it up on the website. I'll be happy to do that. But she was so fascinating in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. She did all that work and gave those alternatives. It's mm. powerful to read it even now. So women can translate the Bible just as effectively as men. Yes, and more so. <laughs> I like the way you think. Well, Boaz, thank you very much for uh, being part of our show today. Friends who are listening, this is the end of part one, but please come back next month when Boaz will complete the year 2023 with part two Women in Words, Why Bible Translations Matter. Thanks for joining us. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers.